Hey, everybody, welcome into the podcast. We've got another special bonus episode. Bonus episode. You know, it's it's the beginning of fall. We're getting into the season that Brad and I love so much, American football. American football. Brad, are you more of a college football guy or an NFL guy? Uh, So I will say, in the basketball world, I don't like college basketball. Yeah. Mainly for the fact that they don't put on a great quality performance. Sure. Like, they miss shots. They hold on to the ball forever. They don't really do much. However, college football is highly entertaining. And even though it's not as good of a product, per se, yeah. as the NFL, I love college football. But I like the NFL more. I'm probably more of a college guy. I think it's just because, you know, in the NFL, you can get into the playoffs with a 9-7 and seven record. Whereas in college football, like, you lose more than one game. and You're done. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. There is something about the one-and-done nature of college football where, like, if you're a top-tier team, you can lose one game. If you're not a top-tier team, you have to go undefeated to be even in the conversation in consideration. Yeah. of getting into the college football playoffs. And that's only a recent thing. That right. only started four or five years ago. So, But we do love the game of football. It's provided oh. us with so many great moments over the years. And it's not just you know on TV watching a live broadcast. The world of movies and the world of football have overlapped for, I don't know how long, 70, 80, 90 years now. For We've sure. We've been making movies about American football. And so today's top five... Brad and I are going to cross over our love of movies and our love of sports, and we're doing our top five favorite football movies. But while we're going to be talking about these top five favorite football movies, what are we going to be drinking, Bob? Yeah, we're sipping on some wonderful bourbon. Recently, Brad and I took a trip down to Bardstown, Kentucky, and you guys have heard our interview with David Mandel, the CEO of Bardstown. Guys, I literally wish that I could like take the imprint upon my soul that Bardstown Bourbon Company gave me and give it to you. It is such a cool place. It was such a good experience. And today, we're actually going to be sipping on two of their line of whiskeys. So we're sampling their Fusion Series, which is their Blue Label Bourbon. And then we're also going to be trying their Discovery Series, which is their Green Label Bourbon. So Brad, what can you tell me about each of these bourbons? Yeah, so the first one that we're going to be drinking is their Fusion Series. Um, it's a blend of 60% of their own two-year-old weeded high-rye Kentucky bourbon, and then it's got 40% of an 11-year, seven-month bourbon. One of the cool things about Bardstown is that as their own whiskey was maturing in barrels, they basically let all these other distilleries come in and use their equipment and, and do experimental runs. And in the process, they basically struck deals where they held some of that product back so that they could blend it with their whiskey as it came out. So even though Bardstown's own bourbon is only two years old, they're essentially releasing a product that averages out to be about seven years old. Which is really impressive in the bourbon world. Yeah, for If sure. you know anything about bourbon, you know that getting up above seven, eight years is really impressive. Scotch has been doing it for forever, but bourbon right. really is just maturing to that point. Absolutely. So what's the proof on the Fusion Series, Brad? So the Fusion Series is 98.9 proof. I don't know if I've ever seen a decimal point on proof before. Especially other than that maybe specific like, of one. Maybe like 0.5. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, 98.9, which makes it 49.45% alcohol. All right. So yeah, this is, it's not the highest bourbon, but it's not on the low end. Right. And, and let's, let's hear about the Discovery Series. So the Discovery Series is a little bit higher end. Uh, it's got, you can already see, it's got a little bit deeper of a color. It seems like it's just the 11-year, 7-month bourbon. Right. It's a blend of whiskeys that do not include Bardstown's own product. Right. So I'm looking at the mat, the, well, not the mash bill, the blend bill, right. I guess you would right. call it. And the age statement on the four separate bourbons is 13 years, 
11 years, 7 months, 10 years, and 5 years. And 75% of the blend is the 11 year, 7 month. Wow. So, and the five year, the youngest one is only 10% of the bourbon. So this is a nicely aged bourbon. And Brad, what does it clock in at proof wise? Proof wise, we are talking about 121.21 proof. Wow. Even more specific than the 0.9. Yeah. So yeah, we're looking at 60.605% alcohol. It's like nearly barrel proof. Yeah, and you and you can see it, man. You look at the depth of that yep. color, yep. and I'm excited to try this. Well, we'll sip on both of these throughout the podcast, but why don't we get into our top five lists? So Brad, top five football movies, what's clocking in at number five? Ugh, talking about the most manly movie in the world, Little Giants. Little Giants. Little Giants, man. I mean, we're talking 1990s, Rick Moranis at the peak of his powers. Whatever those powers were. Rick Moranis owned the 90s. He really did, though. I mean, let's talk about any movie that you enjoyed as a child of the 90s. Yeah. Rick Moranis was probably in it. Or he should have been. Or he should have been. Goodfellas should have been in it. Pulp Fiction should have been in it. Home Alone. Yeah. He should have been. been Macaulay Culkin. They should have just shrunk him down. <laughs> with, honey, I Shrunk with, the Kids. Yeah. Honey, I Shrunk Rick Moranis. Right. Exactly. So tell me about Little Giants, Brad. Why did this make your list? Uh, this is just... I think it encapsulates a lot of different children's football movies all in one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like the innocence of young kids just absolutely loving sports. I mean, an, an analogy movie would be Sandlot. And I would say mm-hmm. Sandlot is the better movie. Um, but like along those vein of movies, if you want to talk about a great movie about kids playing baseball, you go watch Sandlot. Yeah. If you want to talk about a great movie about kids playing football, you go watch Little Giants. Y- you can't beat it. Disney really had this like sports movie formula in the early 90s that they were just, I mean, they were cranking them out, man. It was Angels in the Outfield. It was Little Giants. It was Mighty Ducks. It was Cool Runnings. And I don't know if these are all Disney, but there were just a ton of kids sports movies. And it seems like they all followed that formula. Right. And everyone has their favorite. My favorite is Cool Runnings. I love the Jamaican oh, bobsled team. What? So I will say one of my favorite viewings of Little Giants was when I was in Simferopol, Ukraine. Really? <laughs> we, were on a, we were on a service learning trip through my college there. We were there for like a month. And like three weeks in, we were just like dying for some something American. And the people we were staying with were like, well, we have little giants. <laughs> and so we just sat down in their apartment and watched little giants. And for like two hours, we were transported into the beauty wow. of America. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of the beauty of America... I'm going to go to my number five pick. And Brad, you gave me a ton of crap for my selections on uh, best comedies of the 2000s. That's because you chose poor movies. (laughs) I chose great movies, but not funny comedies. They were not funny at all. Right. (laughs) I I totally misread the topic. So for my number five football movie, I went back to the well of really dumb, really funny comedies. Oh, yeah. And I chose the 1998 Adam Sandler classic, The Waterboy. I absolutely love that movie, and I'm just going to say right now, it's my number four. Oh, all right. So, we, so, we're talking so we've about knocked this, out five and four. Yeah, we're talking about the same movie for both of us here. The Waterboy is truly not only one of the, I would say, one of the best football movies. It's just a brilliant comedy. It's well-written. It's interesting. And most importantly, I just die laughing throughout that entire movie. One of the things that I actually really like about The Waterboy is that I mean, it's obviously played for laughs how hard Bobby Boucher can hit people. Right. 
but it's one of the only football movies, and if you really like think about it on a serious level, it's one of the only football movies that actually deals with how hard human beings are getting hit on the football field. Yeah. And I think back to this movie a lot, and I think back to there's a really raunchy comedy from the early 2000s called Not Another Teen Movie. Yeah. And that movie has a football flashback that's even funnier than The Water Boy. But what I love about this movie is that it really deals with just how hard Adam Sandler can hit a human being flying through. The, and it's not just limited to football players. It's his college professors when, when they make fun of his mama. Mama's wrong. <laughs> mama says alligators are so ornery because they have all them teeth and no toothbrush. All right. Let's hear what mama has to say on the subject. Mama say that happiness is from magic rays of sunshine that come down when you're feeling blue. <laughs> Well, folks, Mama's wrong again. <laughs> no, Colonel Sanders, you're wrong. Mama's right. All right. Mama's right. Mama's right. Something wrong with his medulla oblongata. It's okay to fight back. Coach Klein said I could. Mr. Coach Klein said I could. It's fine. This, this movie is just a wealth of funny lines. It's a funny football movie. Watching Henry Winkler as a football coach, it, it's hilarious. And it's not it's appropriate for our podcast, too, because at the end of the movie, they play in the Bourbon Bowl. Yeah, they do. I didn't even think about that. You know? Good old Bourbon Bowl. That's right. Brad, what do you love about this movie? You know, Waterboy just hits on so many different levels. And I will say this. Even the football plays, one of the big problems with certain football movies is that the actual filming of the football happening on the field just looks terrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of people feel that. And for being a comedy about football, the actual football scenes are actually decently well done where they follow Bobby through and they just, he just wails on people. So much of, of an effective football scene I'm learning watching all these football movies is the sound design. Oh, And if yes. you can get that crunch of helmets hitting and, and helmets hitting pads and pads hitting each other and bodies crunching up, you get the idea of what a hit really feels like. And yeah. this movie, you know, for as much as you want to dismiss it as just a funny, silly Adam Sandler movie, it does the football part better than almost any movie I've seen. Extremely well. All right, Brad, since we've already done your number four, why don't we take a sip of this Bardstown Fusion series? Can we just talk about Kathy Bates in that movie? Oh, gosh. While we sip on whiskey. <laughs> While we sip on whiskey. She is absolutely perfect in that movie. I mean, she's given us so many great movies. She's a phenomenal actress. Yeah. But her performance in The Waterboy is so good. I love it when actors take them don't take themselves so seriously that they won't be in a movie like this. Totally agreed. And a lot of people have never seen Kathy Bates's Oscar-winning performance in Misery, but they've seen The Waterboy, and they know her as Mama, and they know her as Joe Bennett from The Office. Yes, you know what do. I mean? Yeah, for sure. And even and even along the same lines, Henry Winkler being in the movie. Henry Winkler is a gem. He mm-hmm. is so funny in all the things that he does. And when he pulls his pants down and shows the tattoo of Roy Orbison on his left butt cheek... It's just priceless. <laughs> uh, I don't even want to comment on that. Oh, man. Brad, what are you picking up on this Bardstown Fusion series? Mm, deliciousness. Yeah. You know, in my mind, if you're only concerned about pumping up your own ego, I can see why people might put out their own bourbon at two or three years. But that doesn't make sense to me because it usually doesn't turn out great. If you're willing to blend with another bourbon to make a phenomenal product, yeah. <laughs> go check out Bardstown yeah. Bourbon Company. 
Brad mentioned that it has a high rye mash bill. And you can taste that. Yeah, for sure. You can smell it on it as well. Are, are you picking up anything in particular on the nose or on the taste? There's just so much vanilla. Like, yeah. like as I'm drinking it, I can smell it. Mm-hmm. You can taste it all the way through. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I'm really picking up a lot of the rye. I don't know if it's just where my... You know where my palate is today. You, you do get those notes Brad was talking about, but I'm kind of surprised at how thin this kind of is, and th- there's almost no finish. It it evaporates really quickly. Yeah, and I actually like that because I think a lot of times with high rye whiskeys, that rye just sits on your palate for like minutes after mm-hmm. you're done sipping, and I don't like that because that bitterness just sits there. And sure, I, I'm not a very bitter person, so <laughs> well, that's, that's good news. All right, so we're going to keep sipping on this, and what we're going to do is we'll take a break in a little bit, we'll come back, and we'll drink the Discovery Series, and then Brad and I will tell you at the end of the podcast which one we each prefer. All right, so my number four film, since we've already been through Brad's number four. You know, it's not a movie where you see a lot of football action happening, but it's completely related to the NFL, and it's related to the scandal that's been ongoing in the NFL for years and years now. And And yet has been surprisingly hushed over the last few years. Swept under the rug by that great saint of a man, Roger Goodell. So my number four film is uh, the Will Smith movie Concussion. What I love about this movie is that it really takes seriously the subject matter, and it forces you, even as a football fan, to deal with it a little bit. You don't come out of that movie uh, not understanding that you're kind of implicated a little bit as a viewer. And like every time I watch football now, I think about the fact that like I'm kind of a hypocrite because I know that these guys are putting their lives on the line literally and, and maybe not in the moment, but in the future and what could be happening to their brains. And yet I'm still paying to watch it happen. Yeah. I mean, the big thing for me is make the knowledge more avail readily available to yeah. the players if the players know 100 percent this is the risk i'm taking and they still take it in order to make you know for most of the time millions of dollars for some of them it's hundreds of thousands of dollars right it, great like we're all humans we have free agency we can make our own decisions the big problem is for so many years nobody knew how bad it was and right. it's amazing that we didn't realize sooner right how bad these helmet-to-helmet hits yeah. were going to be. Well, and, and that's the great thing about this film, too, is that, you know, it's based on a true story, and they they obviously make some embellishments with it. But, you know, it's it's about this uh, this doctor in Pittsburgh. I think his name is Bennett Omalu, played by Will Smith. And it's a fantastic performance from Will Smith. I know that people seem to think Will Smith has been, like, in a skid for a number of years. But if you have not seen this movie, it was an Oscar-caliber movie for Will Smith. But... It goes through the history of some of these great Steelers legends and how they were driven to madness or to suicide by the effects of what had happened physiologically in their brains from taking these hits. Do you even watch football? Uh, No, not at all. But I've been studying Mike Webster's position. The man in the middle is quite deceptively the most violent position on the field. He slaps, he punches the forearm. It is an unremitting storm of subconcussive blows. The head as a weapon on every single play of every single game, of every single practice, from the time he was a little boy to a college man, culminating in an 18-year professional career. By my calculations, Mike Webster sustained more than 70,000 blows to his head. Brad, have you seen Concussion? I have not seen Concussion. I really highly would recommend it. I mean, it's a great movie. Obviously, it's not the kind of movie you watch to get yourself like pumped up for football season. <laughs> 
But all September first, I'm watching Concussion. But all around, it's well acted. It's worth viewing, and I think that you know if we're going to continue to deal with this topic in America, then we all need to be a little bit more educated about it. And I think this is a good way to introduce yourself to it. But Bob, we're not going to deal with it because nobody talks about That's it. That's not the American way. It's not the American way. We swept it under the rug. Yeah, oh, gosh, it's all okay. Brad, let's do your number three. Number three. I know for a fact that this isn't a great movie per se, but I love Draft Day. Draft Day because I'm Kevin from Costner because I'm from Cleveland, and the fact that Cleveland the Cleveland Browns can be the primary focus of an entire movie. Yep, I absolutely love it. This is essentially like the the major league of NFL movies, and they both deal with Cleveland sports, and yep. they're both dealing with Cleveland sports because. The Cleveland sports team they're dealing with, in reality, was awful yeah. at the time. The movie emulated real life extremely well. But even beyond that, I mean, I, I think it was a well-made movie. It just was, it wasn't a perfect movie. There was, there was struggles throughout. It was kind of cliche. But overall, it's about Cleveland, and I absolutely loved it. Well, that's the thing. is like You can't make a sports movie and then not expect to like the movie that's about your preferred real-life team. It, exactly. It's, like it's, it's just a, it's a cool story, and I, I love the movie. That's awesome, man. What about you, Bob? So I'm going back to movies from the early 2000s that people don't remember well enough anymore. And I really, really loved The Rock's movie, Gridiron Gang. It's about kids who are in like the juvenile detention or prison system. And The Rock is a mentor who has to put a team together out of these kids. And it's actually, it's also based on a true story. And this movie came out around the same time as Friday Night Lights. And okay. I feel like in, in this moment in history, like we were getting into these really gritty, realistic sports movies. And what I love about this movie is that it portrays the life of these kids super accurately. And it doesn't sugarcoat things. But it also, because it is so rooted in reality, I think the emotional payoff of this movie is so much more impactful than 90% of sports movies, where it's just every every character is a cliche. You know what I mean? Right. And this is when The Rock really started to be taken seriously as an actor. You know, he wanted to be called Dwayne Johnson now. Yeah. And, you know, we had seen him in movies like The Mummy Returns, The Scorpion King. So he had done some of these movies where people recognized that he had like a charm and a charisma, but he hadn't really done any serious acting before. And this was the first time that he kind of made me sit up in the theater and go, oh, okay, I can go with this guy in a dramatic turn yeah, because he wasn't winking at the camera. Like he wasn't flexing and, and reminding you that he was a WWE wrestler. Right. He really had acting chops and this movie, like I went with him the whole yeah. movie. He hadn't, he hadn't taken you to the fast and furious yet. No, he, he had really displayed his acting. He chops. hadn't, he hadn't jumped off of a 70 story skyscraper while it was on fire yet. <laughs> Brad, have you seen gridiron gang? I have not seen gridiron Man, gang. You got to catch up on some of these football movies. I, I know that one. If you want a good, inspiring football movie, I, I, would, I would point you to that I one. I love being inspired. Mm. You inspire me, Bob. Thanks, man. Yeah. You know what else inspires me? What's that? Barstown Bourbon Company. Dude, they really do, though. It's How was that segue? Literally... Did you like that segue? That was a great segue. Thank you. They, guys, they're so cool. Go check out Barstown <laughs> Bourbon Company. Let's drink this Discovery series, the Green Label. Now, this is the 121 proof, and I think you can smell it right off the bat. It has notes of roasted nuts. Does it now? This is according to their press materials. According to their press materials. So uh, get ready to have some roasted nuts. <laughs> All right, let's take a sip. Man, that's good. Wow. Ooh, that's got a lot of smoke behind it. Yeah, that's really interesting. 
it's not smoky in the scotch sense, Mm-mm. but there's still a lot of power behind that bourbon. Char. It tastes like char. Yeah, and the high proof, you can taste it, but it doesn't hit you too hard going down, which I think is the problem that a lot of high proof bourbons have or yeah. whiskeys or anything. When you have a high proof whiskey that's of a lower quality, the burn isn't in your mouth. The burn is in your throat. Yeah. And I, I just don't enjoy that as much. No, and I think what, what really helps balance this out is how long that the the blended whiskeys in this have been aged. Yes. You know, it's not like it's 120 proof and only two or four years old. I mean, some of this is 11 years old. Right, because the thing is, when a bourbon is that strong and that young, it's just the ethanol that's giving you the burn. Yep. Whereas when it's this old and aged well, it's not the ethanol giving you the burn, it's the char. Yeah. And that char just, just smokes and it sits in your mouth and on your palate yep. and it's delicious. From a flavor profile, this reminds me a lot of Elijah Craig. It's darker. It's a little thicker. I'm going to use the word viscous. It's viscous. Ooh, man, we haven't heard the word viscous in a long I've time. I've been avoiding it. It also, it just has that smoke behind it. And I mean, if you heard our review of Elijah Craig, this reminds me a lot of that. Yeah. And I know, Brad, you were a little bit cooler on Elijah Craig than yeah. I was. But man, I am really, really digging this Discovery series. Yeah, man, it's it's really, really good. And the thing is, at the price point it's at, I really hope you'd be digging it. Yeah, for sure. I will I will say, as much as I am effusive in my praise for Bardstown Bourbon Company, you're going to be dropping about $60 for the Fusion series, which is the first one we tried, and you're going to be dropping like $110 to $120. Yeah, yeah. Which is a lot of money. It is a specialty bottle of bourbon. This is not something you'd pull out every day. Yeah. So, all right, Brad, let's get back into our top five. What is your number two? Number two. Rudy. Rudy. I love Rudy. And Bob and I have talked, and he'll probably tell you, dear listeners, (laughs) that he is a heathen who doesn't care for the movie Rudy. I like Rudy. I just think that... In the years since Rudy has come out, we've had so many good football movies mm-hmm. that it's not in my top five. Yeah, like you're, it's it's good. You're wrong. It's good, but the whole dramatic arc of the movie is that you know Samwise Gamgee is not very big and he's not really fantastic at football, but hard work pays off and he makes like one tackle. Yeah, the tackle for loss. Good for him. And the thing is, I feel like of all the people in the world, I feel like you would appreciate that it's not necessarily the weight of the final action or the you know the real world outcome sure it's the personal weight that it carries for him and for his family and for his teammates i get that it. he's able to do that i get it it's good it's a good movie what do you love about it though brad i think the movie moves you emotionally in a perfect way there's something about the movie where it starts with him in his house as a teenager just adoring you know Notre Dame football and and I guess there's just something beautiful about the way it captures the essence of what it means to be a football fan I, I think that's probably the biggest thing and it, and it captures the essence of being an order, ordinary person yeah I think that's why it, it attracts people so much is because it, it's not a movie about somebody becoming a superstar it's a movie about a normal human being yeah working his butt off and making the Notre Dame football team on the practice squad. Yep. And in his senior year, you know, making one tackle. And let's be really honest, 
when you were 18 or 19 years old, if you had worked as hard as Rudy did, yeah. you probably could have made it on Ohio State's practice team. Sure. And you probably could have made it into one game your senior year and made one tackle. And that would have literally been one of the most important moments of your life to realize that hard work does pay off. And it might not pay off in a college scholarship that pays for your entire thing and an NFL first or second round draft pick, and you're not going to make millions. But for the average human being, I think Rudy relates because they think, man, like if I worked hard enough, I could do that. Yeah. You're five feet nothing, a hundred and nothing, and you got hardly a speck of athletic ability. And you hung in with the best college football team in the land for two years. And you're also going to walk out of here with a degree from the University of Notre Dame. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. And after what you've gone through, if you haven't done that by now, it ain't gonna never happen. Now go on back. And I'll agree with you that what I, what I love about Rudy is that it proves that you can make a compelling story out of something that on paper isn't that compelling. But then you say on paper it's not that compelling, so I'm not that interested in it. That's not what I'm saying. What I am, what I'm saying though, is you know this, like you said, this isn't a guy that set the world on fire with his football talent. And I think this movie really set the tone for every week when you watch College Game Day on ESPN and Tom Rinaldi gets up and does his tear jerking story. You find hu- humanity and you find emotion in these smaller moments. And I do love that Rudy isn't trying to tell the greatest football story ever told. It's telling the story of you know, a regular person who made this one heroic, heroic act in the game and can be remembered forever because of that. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of people, the reason they love college football, and I've heard many people say this, is because the players are playing for the love of the game, not for the money. Yeah. I can't disagree with that because let's be really honest, only about eight to 12% of NCAA players are going to make it into the NFL. So that means that you have 90% of those players who, yes, they're probably playing for something of a scholarship or a full ride, so there's some monetary value to it, but let's be really honest. They're playing because they love the sport of football, Yeah, and, and you get that in Rudy. Yeah, for sure. My number two is, is pretty similar in that it is based on a true story. It deals with you know a smaller scale. It really captures what it's like to play high school football in the state of Texas. Now, we're from Ohio, which is a huge football state. I'm pretty sure playing high school football in the state of Texas might be one of the most stressful and demanding yeah. things yeah. in the world. absolutely. Like I said, we're from Ohio, huge football state. Ohio, Pennsylvania, Florida, California, all football factories. Yes. But it nobody touches Texas. Texas high school football. And my number two movie is Friday Night Lights. Brad, have you seen Friday Night Lights? The TV show. You have not seen the movie. Oh my I've gosh, never seen man. the movie, dude! You have so many movies to watch. We are like we are fleshing out your watch you know, list. I was looking, th- I was looking through like you know best football movies of all time, yeah. and I was like, a, it didn't seem like there was like tons and tons of them that I would consider great movies, right? But I hadn't seen a decent amount of them. Yeah. You know, well, there's like Invincible on that list, on like some of the lists I've seen. And I'm like, if nah, Invincible nah. is making top football movies of all time lists, we need, to make, we need to make more great football movies. Yeah, for sure. And Friday Night Lights, I really do think fits the bill. And it did what, what my number three, Gridiron Gang, did a couple years before Gridiron Gang did okay. it. Okay. What year did 
Friday Night Lights come out? I think 03. Okay. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but Billy Bob Thornton is fantastic as the coach. He's such a good actor, and I feel like in the years since he won his Oscar, I feel like his career has really been up and down. But he really embodies this coach who has the weight of the world on his shoulders with Texas high school football. But also knowing that because these kids are 16, 17, 18 years old, he's not just a coach. He really is a father figure to them. And you really you get to see the the lives of these kids' home lives and how he has to help them overcome their challenges at home, their challenges at school, and their challenges on the football field. And, I mean, spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen this movie, Brad, I, I'm sorry, but it's been like 16 years. So at the, at the end of the film, they actually lose the state title. Yeah. They lose their big game at the end of the movie. Yeah. And what I love about that is that, like Rudy, it shows that you can make a compelling, impactful, lasting sports movie where the cliche thing doesn't always happen. Right. All right, that brings us to our number one film. Now, full disclosure, Brad and I actually shared our lists with each other before we hit record. We actually talked to each other because we are friends. Yeah, believe it or not, <laughs> when, we, when we shut the microphones off, we are still friends. So we have the same number one movie. And I don't think that there's any argument that anyone can make in my mind that this is not the number one football movie Dude, of all time. Remember the Titans is so good. Remember it's the Titans. It's so good. You, you, you got to help me with dramatic buildup, man. You just you just undercut everything I was building up. Well, that's because I'm your good friend. That's right. Our number one movie is Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. The thing I love about Remember the Titans is that Denzel is coming off like a career high. And then he decides to do this Disney movie about football. And there's no guarantee that it's going to be any good because, like, the 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 track record of Disney with sports movies, like we talked about, it's these cheesy 90s formulaic right. movies or it's Mark Wahlberg in Invincible. Well, I think that, that came out way after. It did. But what I'm saying is Disney sports movies do not have a great track record for being great movies. Right. They're usually really cheesy. And honestly, if Denzel wasn't in this movie... It's not like this movie has the greatest script. Like, there are some cliche things. Yes. Obviously, the characters are like, no one actually grows the way that these people do, where they have these, like, big dramatic speeches, and they're like, yeah, man, I understand you now. That doesn't happen in real life. But Denzel takes this material and is such a good actor that he just catapults this movie into the stratosphere. For sure. And I also really, really loved Will Patton as the assistant coach. Is he in anything else? He's, I mean, he's a character actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. I remembered him from, you know, before this movie, he was in Armageddon. So, you know, he's been in some, like, big budget movies. But I think that he was just a perfect complement to what Denzel was trying to do in this movie. Yeah, because the, the beautiful thing about their performances is the fact that they both want the same thing. They both yeah. want to care for their players and put them in the best position to succeed. Mm -hmm. But you see that in the, in the real world, people have different ideas on how to help other people succeed. Yeah. And they clash in that. And it's okay. Yeah. But you can reconcile those viewpoints. Yeah, and I absolutely sure. love that about this movie. Alan, you're it. Come on! All right. Now, I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night! And if they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm gonna take every last one of you out. You make sure that they remember forever the night they played the Titans. Leave no doubt! Well, and it's not just these two. It's the, the, the actors that are playing the high schoolers. I mean, we said that this movie does have some cliches to it and that the characters are kind of like these walking, you know, tropes. But 
the characters have had a lasting impression on pop culture. I mean, you know, you've got Ryan Gosling in one of his earliest roles in this movie. Yeah. But it's not just him. It's, you know, the guy that plays Gary, the guy that plays Julius, the guy that plays Rev. You know, Sunshine is still a character that people talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when Julius picks up Gary's mom and hugs her and it's, it's a silent scene, you don't hear what they're saying. There's something beautiful about that scene that you didn't need words to explain. It's just there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great movie. You know, and, and. In watching the movie, I found out that they actually like they changed the order of history a little bit and how things actually worked because, you know, Gary gets in a car accident that leaves him paralyzed. Right. And eventually he dies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You said that really heartlessly. And eventually he's dead. Gary gets in a car accident that leaves him paralyzed. And in the movie, that comes right before the big game, like the state championship. And in reality, it actually happened right after they had actually won the state championship. Really? And I've always wondered why they changed that. And I know that it's for dramatic purposes to have him like watching the TV in the hospital bed. And throwing trays at the nurses. But the end of the movie would still be the same. And I've always wondered, like, why, why mess with history in that way? Because it would have had the same effect if, you know, you had this euphoric high of them winning and then followed by the reality of Gary's car accident because the whole point of the story is that they've grown from being immature boys to really mature men. And I think that if they hadn't messed with it, it would have still had the same effect. Yeah. I think, I think it might've changed the way how you felt about it, but yeah, you would have had the same effect of, of like the reality of life is that brokenness exists. There's bigger things than football. And I, and I think that's probably a good point to bring us to a close on this episode of like, we love football. Absolutely adore it. But in the end, there's more important things than football. There's family. There's friends. There, there's bringing meaning into the world. And I think football can do that. Yeah. And Remember the Titans is the perfect movie to illustrate that. Absolutely. So, Brad, as we wrap up today, first of all, thank you for your top five. It's a great list. But secondly, you got to watch some movies, man. You got to catch up on my top five. <laughs> the, the thing is, Bob, I just don't think you have great taste in movies. Well, that's just not true. I'm just going to put that out there. That's just not true. But thank you again to Bardstown Bourbon Company. Now, they were gracious enough to send us these samples to drink. So we have the sample of Fusion and the sample of Discovery. Brad, if you had to pick one of the two, which one do you prefer? The Discovery. I do, too. I think the Discovery... There's it, a reason it's at a higher price point. Yeah, and it's that, really and that it's like double the price of Fusion. Oh, for sure. It's so much more complex. It's The flavor profile it really lines up with what I like. Like I said, if you're a fan of Elijah Craig, this is like getting an Elijah Craig barrel proof, but on a more uh, smaller scale, Delicious. it has a more craft feel to it. It's so good. Yeah, it's great. We want to thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode today. Enjoy football season. We're going to be rooting for our Ohio State Buckeyes and our Cleveland Browns. But wherever you are and whoever you root for, enjoy football season. Go watch some football movies, hopefully more than Brad. For the (laughs) Film and Whiskey Podcast, I'm Bob Book. I'm Brad G. We'll see you next time.